Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back by no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in the Gulch, in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, it is 615 Sessions, brought to you by A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you, getting ready to kick off our NFL draft coverage as the week that we've all been anticipating, the week that we have all been anxiously awaiting, uh, has finally arrived. And we've got a bunch of cool stuff for you to check out at A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Make sure you're liking us on Facebook following us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Buck Rising on Twitter at Buck underscore Rising on Insta if you would like to troll me in either place. Uh, the Nashville Predators have just been eliminated by the Dallas Stars as we are taping this on Monday evening, 2-1 to one, uh, in overtime. The Preds fall to Dallas. The Preds season comes to a disappointing end, uh, and we will do a post-mortem at some point, but not tonight. Uh, as we will be talking about NFL draft coverage with Teron Davenport of ESPN.com, with Joe Rexroad, excellent sports columnist for the Tennessean, both friends of the program, and Ryan Hurd, uh, who is a musician, one of RCA's fine recording artists, uh, the husband of Marin Morris. If you're not familiar with the work of Ryan Hurd, you should be. Uh, Ryan will be playing the draft stage Saturday, 9 a.m., at the draft experience stage at Nissan Stadium on day three. Ryan's got some interesting perspective to lend uh, to all of this and will let us into what goes into the musical production uh, of the draft. We'll break down prospects with Tehran. We'll talk about storylines with our dear Lego-haired friend Joe Rexroad. We start, though, with Ryan Hurd, recording artist for RCA, and then we'll wrap things up with some stuff from the press conferences of John Robinson, Amy Adams-Strunk, and Mike Vrabel, earlier today at St. Thomas Sports Park. But first, Ryan Hurd. We are thrilled to have Ryan Hurd, one of the fine recording artists over at RCA, at Ryan Hurd on Twitter. His latest EP, uh, To a T, is available now. I'm partial uh, to the title track, but Michigan for the winner and Diamonds Are Twine are both excellent as well. Boss man, I appreciate you hopping on. Thank you for having me, man. It's always cool when I get to talk about music and other stuff too. So this is really fun. No, I'm 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 so excited because this with this new gig that I've got going, Ryan, uh, I get to wiggle around and and kind of mix up sports and music, uh, which I think uh, is exactly what we're getting ready to have here in Nashville, yeah. Tennessee. It's uh, at NFL Draft Week. Everybody's fired up. You're going to be playing Saturday, 9 a.m. Uh, is when people can find you at the NFL Draft Experience stage outside Nissan Stadium. Uh, and I, I mean the, it's been, it's been crazy since the first of the month when the NFL contingent started moving in and started building up the draft stage on lower broad, uh, how much, how much different of an experience for you is this? Cause I mean, you're my brother, you're living, you're living movie star, rock star lifestyle. Okay. So the NFL draft, probably not as big a deal to you 
uh, as it is to the layman like us, but like how much different uh, of a feel uh, for a performance is this, is this for you? Well, I did the uh, NHL All-Star game. I did like a, a show with them and, and it's not the same as like your own headline show or whatever, but it is cool to like get to be a part of something like the draft. I mean, it'll probably never come back to Nashville in my lifetime. So that's a really special thing to like get to be a part of something that like anyone who lives here and is a sports fan in this town will remember forever. So it's not, it's not quite the same to do a a 9am set (laughs) on Broadway that it is to do like your own headline show, but it's really cool to just, you know, have my name attached to it and to be able to participate it in one way or another. Yeah, of course. I mean, speaking speaking of the All Star Game, did you happen? Full disclosure: if you're listen as you're listening to this on Tuesday, Ryan and I are taping this on Sunday after the Nashville Predators Game Five loss to Dallas. Did you see? Uh, did you see Gavin DeGraw and the anthem? I did, man. We talked. I talked to Marin about it too because she's done the anthem. I kind of have a no anthem policy for me. Just I I love to do. I just think there's it's like a no win, man. Yeah. Like if you do it right, you were supposed to do it right, and if you do it wrong, you're kind of oh you get dry, well you, so. you turn into Gavin DeGraw, and I felt so exactly. bad for him. <laughs> and he's a nice guy, and we've met him, and he is a sweet, sweet human. And I just I remember watching him go backwards, like uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, here it comes. And, you know, and, uh, I feel so bad for that dude. And it looked like it hurts. I mean, anybody who's ever ice skated before, and hey, you should appreciate people who can skate like nhl hockey players right number two you, you the next thing you know is how much it hurts to fall so i'm sure that dude's got busted up knees whatever today i, I felt so bad <laughs> how, like okay so let's let's play this out hypothetically if you're in that situation how, how do you play it off do you just get up walk no off way. not acknowledge it there's no way i mean you probably should tweet about it but there's no way to play it off man you just <laughs> That's I felt so bad for him, and he is a genuinely nice human. So, you know, he's just doing something for you know to be a part of it, and playoffs are awesome, and you know that's such a great sure. building to be in, and to like, ah, man. Well, it's it's the worst awesome. part of the internet what happened to Gavin yesterday, but fortunately, because the internet is is just filled with those kinds of things, it'll be forgotten in two days when the next uh, when the next foul thing. up goes viral so when when the nfl sent us the email with the names of all the acts that would be performing uh, throughout the course of the weekend and the week because i mean this this is this is a huge deal uh what's happening in terms of the draft week and having the hockey playoffs at the same time and the and the rock and roll marathon at the end of the weekend like it's going to be a, a beautiful disaster uh here oh, in nashville okay. but the first thing i noticed uh when i was going through the names of the acts is how eclectic a group it was in terms of genre I know people in Nashville are kind of maybe not worried, but they they are aware of the fact that they may pe- may be portrayed as more honky tonk than Nashville actually sure. is. Are artists cognizant of that uh, when you're getting ready to you know put on for our city in essence? Well, I don't think that I would think of it in that way just because there's a reason that I was booked. You know what I sure. mean? It means that there's a reason that that they want me to come play, so I'll just go do my show. But I think that you know what they did a really good job of was showcasing like that this is not just it's not country music city it's music city and so having a band like moon taxi which is like one of the like truly one of the best i call them a jam band because that's when they started that's what they were Mm. but having somebody like that play it's like open up the entire thing and then having dirks come and do it and there's just there's a and i can't remember all the acts in between but 
I think they did a really good job of, of kind of including like the, a, a broader scope of what we do here, as opposed to just, I mean, they could have booked every single, you know, country artist that was around, you know, oh, I mean? sure. but they went, made a conscious decision and nothing that was smart. Yeah, I, I do as well. I mean, it's it's uh, it's just an interesting dynamic. I don't, I don't know why people seem to go bent out of shape because as long as the city's showcased, I mean, I, and showcased well, I don't really care if I don't really right. care if there's too many cowboy boots or Daisy Dukes or whatever. They're showing too many neon lights, but I mean, that's that's what that's the foundation of Nashville. And like yeah, you and said, there's a reason they're booking the acts that they are. And that's the foot that like that's our best foot forward. That's what they've sort of chosen to be the face of our town to sure. someone visiting. So. You know, you kind of got to ride that out. I mean, to be honest, like, you know, we have a great downtown and there's a lot to do down there and the draft stage is going to be amazing and you'll be able to see that the stadium in the background and stuff like that. And, you know, I think when the NHL came and did the All-Star game here, it really was a giant moment for for Nashville. And, and there was a lot of that honky-tonk stuff associated with it just because it's all right around the arena. But I think at the end of the day, like they did such a good job of showing Nashville as a destination that it made, I mean, it just kind of like made it easy for the draft to come in and be like, all right, we'll just do that a little bit bigger. So I think they're going to lean a little bit on the honky tonk thing because it's easy, but I don't think that's going to be the only thing that people see. Yeah, no, I was, I, my, my little sister, first time she's been down to Nashville for any extended period of time, she came down for a concert uh, at the Cowan last night. She's 16 years old, so we're... Who was at the Cowan? Uh, Top Golf, right? Yeah, that's Top Golf. so it's it's Jack and Jack. Uh, I was okay, yeah, unfamiliar absolutely. with their work, but they're, I, I pulled, I dropped them off. I was playing personal Uber last night, dropped them off, and there was just a line around the corner. They said they waited 45 minutes to get in, so Jack There's and Jack... There's a kid that opened for them named... Alec Bailey, and he's got this song called Lemonade, okay. which someone sent me the demo for that, but you should check that one out, because it's not a country song, It's but it's you know kind of that singer-songwriter thing, but yeah, man, what the kids get into, it's crazy. For sure, for sure, but anyway, we were we were taking around, showing showing off uh, everything that like the NFL is putting in, that you know, the honky-tonks were, and we were able to walk her through a couple of them, uh, because it was during the day, and you know, she's only ID- getting ID'd if she gets a drink. Uh, sure. But uh, is she? She just she was blown away by the scale and the scope of it, uh, and it was a, it was a cool thing for me just to kind of like, oh, this is not normal everyday thing for people. You know, Nashville's uh, Lower Broadway is not a, not a thing that everybody sees on their way to work every day like I do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was a it was a it was a cool moment for me just to kind of watch her experience everything that Nashville is, and I'm like, I. I I have no, I have no big part in this. I just get to be around all the stuff that's going on. Uh, but right. it was, it's. I'm looking forward to seeing, to seeing how people respond to what all we're about to do down here because I think we're going to kick ass, Ryan. I don't know about you. Well, we're, a, we throw a good party, and that's a, we've always been good at that. So, um, it's about to be. I mean, the draft just added another element of, you know, I guess what is it? It's, it's going to be. Is it end of April, and then we do CMA Fest in a month? Oh yeah. Then Bonnaroo, and which is, I guess, a little out of town, but it's, it's become it's that time of year, man. It's gonna get wild. So I know you're a native son of Michigan, correct? Yes. Yep. In Chicago, I was born in Chicago. Okay. And then uh, lived there as a kid, and then grew up in in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. So now, are you a local sports fan now that you're now that you're here in Nashville? Like, do you do you care oh, about yeah. what the Titans are gonna do? I only care about the Titans, and I only care about the Preds. I'm a a Braves fan, and then have recently rekindled my Cubs relationship. And uh, but yeah, I'm all in Michigan football, basketball. But okay. When I got down here, I went to college at Belmont, and got down here, and 
because I was split between like my friends were all Detroit fans. Yeah. My family's all Chicago fans. Like what I was kind of in no man's land when I was a kid and just like, you know, all sports, but got here and went to my first Pred games. Preds game is actually against the Red Wings. And I was like, I'm going to do, I like this better. So, um, immediately jumped on the Preds, immediately jumped on the Titans. Just, I knew I was going to live here for a long time just because I love when I got to Nashville, I just fell in love with it. And so, yeah, I'm all Titans, all Preds. So, with with the Titans, I and I'll, we'll get you out of here on this one because I've taken far too much of your time on a no, Sunday I'm when I know man. you just got off a tour bus. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, how you felt about your team's chances this year because nobody really seems to know uh, what's going on with with everything that that swirls around Marcus Mariota from a day to day basis. I like Marcus. I think he's great. Yeah. I wish that we could keep him standing up, but I um, I think we're in sort of like a be careful what you wish for thing. Uh, sort of like when I don't know I think if you move on from Marcus you start over where you don't really if you could just keep him standing up he's probably going to win you some games right he's won nine games three years in a row right or two years in a row that three years so they've won nine uh, they've had three consecutive winning seasons for the first time in the history of the franchise and people be just kind of sweep what, that under the rug <laughs> be careful what you wish for yeah I mean seriously that and I think him adding weight is a big deal but like and I know that you know they're addressing the offensive line but what that dude needs is like he needs what the Chiefs have he needs an Alvin you know he needs somebody who's explosive to do something with the ball other than him so I love Derrick Henry and I think if you can ride that out as long as you can that's great but you know, Corey Davis is a great receiver, but where's the explosiveness on that offense? And that's what I'm excited about seeing is if they can add somebody like that. I don't know if that guy is in the draft, but you would know more than I would. But that's what I'm excited about. And obviously they always need more pass rushing. So I think they're like one edge rusher away from really being able to make some noise. Okay, so walk me through walk me through your emotions if they draft a center at the night with the nineteenth overall pick. Like that's about as unsexy as it gets, but are you gonna be good with that? I mean, I don't know how to run a football team, so I guess <laughs> I'll be fine with it, but um I don't know. It that would be really boring. Yeah. But I I truly don't care as long as they win. So uh, I mean, that, if they draft a center, uh, is there not a center that we could have grabbed and free? I don't know. It, I mean, it's it's been a whole thing the way that they've yeah. handled this off season. It's that dude from North Carolina State, right? That's the the guy that. Oh yeah, might, no, that that's the that's that that's the that's the that's the big prospect. Uh, at and, and you you can tell how uh, how much or how weak the 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 talent is in terms of the skill positions when everything is being everything that's being highlighted is offensive and defensive line play. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> that's well, what we have to look this, forward to. I'm not a huge fan of those those two receivers. Those that are just shredded out of their mind. I don't think they can go left or right, but. Uh, I, if we ended up with an offensive line like the Colts have now, or an offensive line like Dallas had two years ago when they drafted Zach Martin, I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, anything, anything to get that just one win over Andrew Luck. He's got that 11 and 0 record that this just keeps running, rubbing Titans fans. Knows Did it. you tweet out that thing where it was like talking about the Colts schedule and it was like, oh my God, yes, that, <laughs> from Derek Schultz up in Indy. Oh my gosh, and it's it, like week two win. 
and then it just went down. It's only the second, like it's only May or whatever. It's it's so not funny when you try to read it to people because I like I I died laughing no, reading the tweet, it. and then I'm like trying to describe it to people, and I just sound like a jackass. So it's I, tr- it is truly a bummer <laughs> that they had Peyton Manning for however long they had him, and now they have this guy like that. I was at Monday Night Football when Chris Johnson like ran wild and we beat Peyton Manning. Yeah, and that was so much fun. It was under the lights in Nashville. I was in college, and uh, I am just so over the Colts destroying us every year. <laughs> I don't think you're alone, brother, and hopefully uh, for Titans fans, they'll be, do- be be able to do something in this upcoming yeah. draft this week to rectify the situation. Sure. Uh, it felt and- good to have Jacksonville be Jacksonville again, though. Oh, sure. I, 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 don't th- I mean, are you scared of Nick Foles? No, no, I don't think I don't think anybody I don't think anybody who's paid attention to how those Eagles teams were put together uh, truly, you know, Nick Foles getting paid a lot of money uh, yeah. to to uh, to not be that big of an upgrade over I'm, Blake Bortles. I'm, what I'm hoping is that they paid him so much money that Jalen Ramsey comes home. You think you, so? You want that? Stud. I would love it. Okay. I don't know. Why, I think he'd be he'd be he just got an attitude and. I don't know. Maybe you know more than I do, but I think that dude's a stud. No, he's he's an he's an absolute stud. See, I mean, and we can we can talk about this for hours, Ryan. I don't want to keep you too terribly long, but like with the Jalen Ramsey thing, I think people are so scared in football, especially of personality, that they are willing to just pass on it. What what is a generational talent? I, I would say a cornerback, just because the dude's loud. I think that's nonsense. I think he's like Taylor the one on defense, like. That's probably Taylor would probably be annoyed that I said that, but he's like the dude who's like bringing all the swag and all the attitude, and all he wants to do is be on a good team. I feel like, and a defense that you know cares about it as much as he does and wants to talk a little whatever. That's what I think. No, I think if you can back it up, it's great. One hundred. I mean, and and then you would get the you would get to see the dynamic play out of Taylor Lewan and Jalen Ramsey reunited uh, yeah. after after that terrible flop Ramsey had when Lewan's playing the world's world's biggest smallest violin. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that was amazing. I, I I think it'd be great, and I think that they probably can't afford to resign him or don't want to, but somebody's going to do it, and why not us? No question about it. He is Ryan Hurd. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Hurd. Make sure you check him out. He's playing at the NFL Draft Experience stage outside Nissan Stadium. 9 a.m. is when Ryan gets things started. I'll be out there before I have to shuffle on over to St. Thomas Sports Park uh, and hunker down in that in that terrible little writer's room as they make the picks and put these poor bastards on conference calls with us afterwards. Ryan, I appreciate you stopping by, my brother. It was fun cool, to man. We'll have some tequila. It'll be good. It'll be 9 a.m. Oh, 9 a.m pick me up hey listen brother you are speaking my language we will be sure to do that back here on the 615 sessions a to z sports a to z sports nashville.com getting ready to continue our draft coverage uh, with a familiar face a familiar hairdo unfortunately for us and that is joe rex road friend of the program excellent sports columnist for the Tennessean, if not uh, excellent haircut. How are you, bud? Hashtag Lego hair. Yeah, I my miss only, you. My, 
Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Rip on me. Go ahead. Take it. Well, I yeah, I, I won't rip on you because I'll let you I'll let you do it yourself. Set the mm. scene for me uh, as as for for the glamorous for, for the people listening who don't know what we in the sports media who lead such glamorous lives uh, do for a living. Set the scene for me in your hotel room in Dallas as you prepare for game six between the Predators and the Dallas Stars. Well, okay. I'll give you the I'll give you the full rundown, Buck. Uh, let's see. I am on my bed with my laptop on my lap, uh, kind of using my large belly as a shelf. Yes. Um, uh, there's a little bit of a meatball sandwich stain on the t-shirt. Uh, I, I have been sitting here all day, uh, just actually working on NFL draft stuff with this uh, hockey game coming up. I also throughout my back the other day like bending down in my kitchen to pick something up my wife and daughter were both there and we all heard like this crack so like i have to sit in weird positions to not be in great pain so there you go the oh life my. of the glamorous life of sports writing it's and and you're and you're at at what some would consider to be the heights of the profession as a columnist <laughs> wow. for, for the paper of note uh in in the state of tennessee just joe rexroad living his best life nursing his <laughs> nursing his uh his thrown out back god you are you are sad you know that no oh, it is awful it is <laughs> awful i'm a pathetic person that's all right i still love you bud uh and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the hockey team uh before we wrap things up but this is the draft preview show one of the draft preview shows that we'll be pumping out for a to z sports uh and we've just come from the titans press conference pre-draft press conference with john robinson mike vrabel and controlling owner amy adams strunk uh, not a lot to be gleaned. We didn't exactly learn who they would be picking at 19. We just had it affirmed to us that this is, in fact, a deep defensive line class uh, and that they will be taking the best player that fits their culture in their locker room, as if none of us know that before. But this is the same press conference that we've been having with them every, every time we meet with them before the draft. Uh, you are, however, high on, and, and not just you, but the need to address defensive line depth, be it edge rusher, be it interior, uh, is something I think we can all agree that the Titans need to do. Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame is somebody that you seem to be particularly vocal about on Twitter, and I want to know if you're if you're considering him at 19, and if so, why why him instead of Christian Wilkins? Why him instead of Cleland Farrell, who appears to be dropping down the draft board? Guys like that. Yeah, well, I mean, really, this is about because Sam Farmer from the LA Times, he does like sort of like a live mock draft. So I basically was forced to like make a choice here. Uh, so no, 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 Sam don't, has, don't hedge, don't hedge it like well, that. I'm just Rex telling Rowe. you what ha- I'm telling you what happened. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. so I mean, he, you know, he asked me to make the pick for the Titans, and I picked Tillery, and I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I believe Christian Wilkins was still there. Um, and look, man, I mean, to me, I just I like Tillery's length. I like his athleticism. I've watched a lot of Notre Dame. I, I think I could really see him working with the Titans. I think he could be a great compliment to Jarrell Casey. I I don't have any compelling information to tell you why he's absolutely better than a Wilkins or a Farrell. And I, and I think the bottom line is I just – I think there's more edge guys you can get later maybe in this draft. I think there's a lot of depth there, but I think – if you know the real mashers and I think this team badly needs one and badly needed one all year to go with Casey. And of course, when he was gone against the Colts at times, it looked like a 
you know, like a like a really big mismatch up front in that game. Oh. I just think that's a bigger priority, um, and I think all of it's a bigger priority than tight end or receiver or any of the other things people are throwing out there. So I'll be to- totally wrong, but I just I I'm big on Tillery, and I don't quite understand why. From based on what I know of him. I'm surprised that he's projected by a lot of people as like a, a late first to second round pick. I think he's better than that. I And I would be inclined to agree with you. Um, and what I see from him on tape, uh, and, and just for the sake of argument, um, you know, we'll, we'll make it like a Jared Stillman uh, uh, back and forth. I, I, I look at him on tape, and he is absolutely violent at the point of attack. He's got a great initial step. Um, he is absolutely disruptive in a way that you need a guy, especially in, in the 2019 iteration of the NFL, where everybody, where interior pressure seems to be more in vogue than maybe in years past because of the mobility of the quarterbacks, and that's just the fastest route to them. Um, but I look at Tillery on film, and for as, for as tantalizing a prospect as he is, there are times when he disappears. Uh, and I, you know, Montez Sweat is somebody who has been accused of that and you can see it a little bit on tape as well. And, and my, you know, I try not to let the measurables and these things that come out during combines and pro days affect what I think of a prospect uh, more than the tape. But my, th- I just, I think he could be had later. Um, and I could be wrong. Uh, my, this is just my initial, initial look at him. Uh, and based on like what kind of player Christian Wilkins is, if, if he is in fact still on the board, what kind of character person he is, we know how much John Robinson and Mike Vrabel emphasize uh, the building of locker room culture. And, I mean, he just – like Christian Wilkins on paper in terms of character and ability uh, is a John Robinson wet dream as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Like I look right. at that and he, he screams Tennessee Titan based on the players that we know. In the same way that you talked to Corey Davis at the Combine and you got that initial feeling, I remember you telling me, that this yep. was somebody who fit their mold. That's the only reason that I would push back about, you know, Christian – or uh, uh, rather Jerry Tillery – over Christian Wilkins in that particular instance. Maybe I just don't think they'll ever draft another Clemson guy again. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, listen, if, if Twitter had anything to say about it, they sure as hell would not. <laughs> but, no, I mean, point well taken on, on Wilkins and personality. And, yeah, that's where it gets really interesting. I mean, even like, you know, it's where drafting is hard. I think of a guy like Rashawn Gary from Michigan. You know, this is a guy who – I, I think if you watch enough tape of anyone, you'll you'll see them quote unquote disappear at times. I sure. mean, it's just it's the game, you know. I mean, it's the nature of the game. It's hard for very few guys have the motor going at all times. Like Rashawn Gary is a guy who, by the measurables, is absolutely just he's going to be a star. Oh, he's a freak athlete. He's a freak. He's with the he was the number one recruit in college football a few years ago. But like the production isn't there either, you know. And of course, he's had injuries too. I mean, he's one of those guys that is is I think a top ten type guy who could go at the top of the second round. You know, it's it's just really. And then of course Montez Sweat with the heart stuff. I mean, that's just really interesting. Is that guy going to end up falling down? And if you're the Titans and he's sitting there. What, what do you think about his situation? I've, I'm seeing things today to the effect of some teams are completely freaked out and scared away from him, and some teams are like, yeah, I'll be fine, yearly checkup. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting just, just with that, you know, that uh, position group alone in this draft. Yeah, Matt Miller of Bleacher Report had the tweet, 
earlier today. Montez Sweat stock bottomed out due to team medicals. Have heard from a few clubs that have him off the board. Of course, it only takes one team, but the expectation now is he will drop, could fall out of round one. That's Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. I, I, I look at it the same way that I look at the Harold Landry situation a year ago, where if you have the ability to get a player who has that much potential but is being with, – with Landry, it was, I believe, ankle issues, if I remember correctly – um, yeah. Sweat, obviously, the, the enlarged heart uh, is a much different situation. Um, and it would, be, it would be negligent of us to debate, you know, how, how much it could actually affect him, affect him when we, you know, we, we have no medical degrees between us. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I can't help but think that somebody like that is not going to fall all the way out of the first round, Joe. I mean, this dude was a pterodactyl at the combine. Like, I know I just talked <laughs> about not letting the measurables affect it, but he is... Cleveland Farrell would be a top 10 pick in any other year that didn't have Montez Sweat in it because the athletes are so outrageous this year. Yeah, well, um, and Sweat's film backs him up, too. Sure. I mean, again, like you said, okay, maybe he disappears at times, but, I mean, if you watched any Mississippi State football last year, I mean, you know, the best, the absolute best of the best teams struggled to block him. Other NFL guys struggled to block him. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just – I mean, it's <laughs> – you know, those things are always a risk, but if he's cleared, you know, to, to, to play, um, yeah, I, I have a hard time thinking everyone's going to be scared of him, but Hey, it, it still could mean a substantial drop. Uh, and who knows, maybe he'd be there for the Titans. I don't know if he's quite, you know, you mentioned the John quote unquote, John Robinson kind of guy. And I don't know if Montez sweat would fall into that category, but he'd be awfully intriguing because he, he is, I think, again, unless this really derails him, I think he's going to be a difference maker in the league. I, I don't think there's any question about it. It was just curious to say. And, and there's always, of course, this is lying season, so the internet yeah. is, is proliferated with these kind of things at this time of year, be it from teams that are leaking the information to try and get the player to fall to them uh, wherever they're picking and, and things of that nature. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about storylines seeing as you are a wordsmith painting pictures from your hotel room uh in a in a meatball sub stained shirt <laughs> john john robinson the tight like this isn't a sexy draft by any means positionally uh when you look at the players like the t- the high-end pass rushers are great and everybody wants one in the nfl but in terms of like kyler murray i guess is a big deal but the rest of it is really not that intriguing to the average nfl fan except if you're a Titans fan, because you sit here, you look at where they're picking, you look at what they need, you look at the the situations surrounding them where where we have no idea how the draft board is going to break, particularly in the first round with the quarterbacks, uh, and you don't – you have so many more needs than you initially thought you had. 19 seems like a weird spot for you to have to make something out of uh, when, when most of the impact players, one would think, would be gone, and you're looking at, at that point – for a player that would be more of a 10-year or a, just a long-term solution, a good, solid football player that can be a member, a contributor for a, for a long time. I look, at, I look at John Robinson's aggressiveness last year where he walks into the draft with six picks, walks out of the draft with four draft picks, one who didn't make the roster. Uh, and, and, I, and I feel like they're in kind of a precarious position with everything else that swirls around it. Of course, Marcus Mariota's health. All the other things we've talked about ad nauseum. What do you think that the implications of this particular draft will be 
for John Robinson's for John Robinson's storyline as the general manager of the Tennessee Titans? Well, I, I mean, look, they're all important, um, but I, I feel like, you know, he has certainly established himself as a guy who was in pretty short order turned around this franchise from awful to solid, you know, three straight nine and seven seasons. You can go back through his picks. And of course we already, we've already referenced Kevin Dodd and he's had a couple donuts, donut holes, and he's, he's had a lot of good picks overall, you know, he's improved the roster, but, but I mean, if the whole good to great thing, you know, I think you, this draft has to be part of that. I mean, I don't see how they go from good to great next year if there aren't a couple immediate impact guys out of this draft. And I don't, I don't think that just because you're at 19, that doesn't that, that means you can't get one. I mean, I think you can, you know. You, I mean, Kevin Byer was a media impact guy in the third round. I mean, you you know you can find you got to make the right picks. I just to me when I look at this team, I think you're this season is to a large extent as a gamble on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I, and I don't see how you get around that. You are gambling on Mariota, and of course you're also trying to figure out his long term situation. But it is a gamble that. Um, you know, that he's the guy who can do it for you, that you know, Delaney Walker is going to come back healthy, that, um, you know, Jack Conklin's coming back healthy, that Corey Davis is going to continue progressing. There's a lot of things that you have to just with on individual improvement things and health things that have to break right for this team. I mean, you can't address everything. So to me, that's why I look at this draft as you have a defense that's good to very good but if you got a couple perfect pieces in the right places to go with what you have in the back seven you could make a great defense out of that and then how much does that impact everything else you know so like of course they're gonna they're not just gonna draft defense but to me that should be the priority i strongly believe that i think that you you take what you have that you know is good and if you have a chance to make it great there's where you do that and the other side of the ball is largely going to be, you know, just hoping that all that it all works out. If that makes any sense to you, I mean, no, I mean, it's like you can't you can't address everything, you Joe. Know? I, I just, and it's totally fair because we have no idea what the offense is going to look like because we have no idea what the quarterback is going to look like. Like all of this, all of this swirls around the Tennessee Titans because it's just so much unknown with whether he's going to be able to sustain whatever you know, whatever spine issue, nerve issue that he was dealing with. And if it's just going to take one more hit, like what he experienced in the season opener last uh, last year to totally derail um, a, a, a football team that should be, I think by anybody's measurements, competitive uh, in 2019. I just, I don't know what you do, uh, but you're exactly right in terms of they need they need to hit on some kind of impact defender because they can't they can't finish the year with 39 sacks in the defense that they have on paper it's just it's just not feasible uh in the way that teams are are throwing the football around uh in in 2019 before we get you out of here you are in dallas you are there for game six of the nashville predators and the dallas stars uh the preds down three to two they've gotten their teeth kicked in uh, the past two, and it's just been it's it's been fascinating to watch because uh, they are uber talented, and yet on a night by night basis, you have no idea what you're going to get, which has been the narrative of the, of the whole season. 
but they've looked simply inferior, Joe, and I don't understand uh, why. Like, I'm I'm not smart enough to understand why. I'm asking you, Mighty Wardsmith, why the hockey team is broken. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's one of those things where it's a little bit chicken and egg with this, with the the whole first line for Dallas, because if you're the Predators and Peter Laviolette came right out with this after game five, I mean, you could sit there and say, yeah, their first line looks great. But the Predators are saying, hey, they also look great when we give them the puck and say, here you go. Here, here's the puck and there's the net. Why don't you go ahead and score? And that definitely happened a couple of times. There's some just ridiculous mistakes being made by the Predators. Um, you know, really in the la- in four and five, inexcusable, stupid, ridiculous mistakes. However, I also think that when – a line like that in particular, but but not just that line, really their top two lines, when they are establishing the forecheck the way they have and they are in your face like that and cycling and exhausting you and you are starting to feel helpless, that's when you make more mistakes. You know, and so I think that's – I think they go hand in hand. I think some of these mistakes that you can call them unforced, but I think they're still situational. I think they're related to – what Dallas has been able to do to the Predators and establish. I mean, look, I came away from that game saying I think they're done, um, <laughs> which is always a dangerous way to think about any hockey team in this tournament. Sure. But I think in particular with the Predators, I mean, it was just a year ago. They were done. They got smoked at home by Winnipeg, and they went down there and completely stifled them in game six. Now, of course, then they came home and got destroyed in game seven, but yep. they did win the game six. So, uh, but I, ultimately, I just I think the Predators, I think they've suffered. You, know, you can't have that bad of a power play. You can't have a second line that's just you, you, you keep trying new combinations. You, your second line center, Kyle Torres, is just is not has not been what you need him to be. There's still there's a lot, and, and some of your defensemen, Matias Eckholm's having a horrible series. Ryan Ellis to me looks like a shell of what he used to be. So I mean, a lot of a lot of this, yeah, they're still uber talented, but a lot of those guys are not playing at their peak for whatever reason. And so, uh, you know, so we'll see at the Stanley cup final after they turn this all around. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have no idea what to expect, but it doesn't look good. It didn't look good for them coming out of game five. No, it didn't. And by the time this airs on Tuesday morning, we will find out whether they have been eliminated or whether they live to die another day, just like the 2018 Titans. That's that felt like the narrative all year long. They keep, <laughs> they right. keep doing just enough to keep dragging themselves uh, to to the finish line, but we'll find out uh, later later this evening. Joe Rexroad, sports columnist for the Tennessee, and you can follow him on Twitter at Joe Rexroad. You can read him, of course, in the paper or, or online at Tennessean.com. Rexroad, you uh, you were okay on your inaugural appearance on the new pod, but uh, I, we'll we'll think about having you back. All right. Well, next time I'll do it shirtless. Have you? Uh, I was about to say, do you have? Do you even have pants on? I do have pants on. No, that's yes, I do. Yes, yes. And they're zipped and everything. Um, <laughs> have you annoyed and alienated all your new coworkers yet, or is that still a couple weeks away? Oh, no. That literally, literally the minute that I walked into that introductory video and kind of, you know, muscled, muscled both of them out of the shot, uh, they, they realized <laughs> what, that, what grave mistake they had made. Uh, and, and, and realized that I'm now their headache rather than 1025 the game. So lucky them. Oh, it's just going to be fun to watch. (laughs) Some people just like to watch the world burn, Joe. I'm one of them.
Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville. Dot com continuing one of two mega draft pods that we will be putting out for you over the course of this week as the Tennessee Titans prepare to make their pick in the first round on Thursday 19th overall is when they will make make the selection joining us now good friend of the program longtime friend of mine Teron Davenport ESPN ESPN LNFL Nation's Titans reporter talking TD is the podcast you can find it on the game nashville.com make sure that you are throwing my man ratings reviews subscriptions whatever it is that you can do to support the product that our friend is putting out td what's going on what's up man the 615 is live i see (laughs) indeed (laughs) we know that the 615 is live and that td is for the people that is the only thing that we know in this world that's right (laughs) so let's talk about the players that the Tennessee Titans, the positions that the Tennessee Titans need to address and the, the players that will be available to them. Because those are two very different things, Teron, as we well know. Uh, 19 is a weird spot for them to be picking. We know they need trench, trench players, regardless of whether it's outside linebacker, whether it's interior defensive line or interior offensive line. Um, the Montez Sweat news from Matt Ooh. Miller of Bleacher Report was interesting to me today. Do you think there's any chance that he legitimately falls out of the first round? I highly doubt he falls out of the first round, but I will say this. He is off of certain teams' draft boards, and I actually did a feature on Montez a couple weeks ago, and it was really something that they were guarding against, and it's it just – you know, sometimes they they as in his his camp, his representation. Yeah. Yeah. It was something that that his camp, you know, his agent, um, Brian Overstreet and, and Rodney Williams, they were doing a, a really good job of just kind of it is what it is. Right. But they were doing a good job of just trying to control it. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just interesting because this information has been out there for a while. I don't really know why it's something that the week of the draft is being trumpeted and it's so unfortunate for this kid because in in doing the the research and and talking to his trainer uh, from Exos, Brent Calloway and talking to Chuck Smith, a guy who helped him develop more pass uh, rushing moves going into the draft. Down in Atlanta, we know Chuck well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Chuck's a good dude, man. And he's so excited about Montez. And seeing all that and, and, and hearing the energy when these guys talk about him and even in talking to Montez himself, you know, everybody on, on this side of things are just like, he works so hard, right? And right. you hate to see information being brought out so late and the week of the comp, like it, it's just, I mean, the week of the draft is it, just, well, it's disheartening, you know what I mean? But it's something that has been known since, you know, after the combine. Oh, sure. Uh, and and I mean you 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 said that you don't know why it's being floated this at this time of year at this particular Monday of NFL Draft Week, and I have I have a pretty good inclination uh, that it would it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be out there if somebody wasn't trying to tra- tank this young man's draft stock yeah. uh, and maybe get him at a later pick than he might otherwise have been available at, which is just it's the gross part uh, or one of the gross parts of football as an industry it is it is very much the lying season and the proliferation of these of these nasty things that can that can legitimately impact these young men uh financially and it's it is it really is a shame uh for both him and uh, somebody like uh Jeffrey Simmons from 
Mississippi State, his teammate who dealt with the ACL injury and has had his draft stock impacted by that. But we know that they need defensive line help. We know that they need mm-hmm. interior offensive line. Let's w- What we'll do here is I'll go position by position. I'll give – I'll let you make the pick that you think makes the most sense for them at each position, uh, assuming that they'll be available. So let's start with outside linebacker. Is there any particular player that strikes your fancy if he is available at 19? Yeah, I think really, (laughs) and it's funny because last week on Twitter, we, we had different conversations about this guy. But I think really if Brian Burns is there at 19, um, looking at the, the outside linebackers that I think are going to be there, I think he's the best of them. And when you look at Burns, obviously we have the weight issue, right? But if you go back and you look at some of his games, I mean, you could take bad film of everybody, even Kevin Byard, and say, oh, well, he can't do this. You know, you could take one or two plays. As if a plays. football player has never had a bad play to be highlighted. Exactly. <laughs> so that's I have to say that because – I know that people like to, to put random plays up and say, oh, well, see, he can't do it because of this. But at the same time, if you take even in that same game, someone posted something of of Brian Burns getting driven to the ground, getting pancaked. But they didn't post the other times in that game where he had tackles for loss, right? So right. I say all that to say he's a guy that because of the way he uses his hands, because of the way – he converts speed to power because of his quickness and his, his you know, loose hips, et cetera. He is someone that can elude blockers against the run. Now, when you're talking about going against the pass and going and attacking that quarterback, that dude's spin move is White Freeney-like. You know what I mean? And then he has the audacity to work on a fake one, you know, <laughs> that, that he's bringing in too. So now it's like you got a guy getting better and better as far as a pass rusher. He was able to put on those pounds. It's something that a lot of the guys that I talked to, they said they, they talked to uh, Marcus Davenport, you know, the guy I call little cuz. There's no real relation, but. You know, he's someone no, that put on have to stick together. You don't. That's right, man. It's, it's not. There aren't many of us, man. You know, but uh, he, he talked to him about putting on weight and maintaining speed. And that's something that he was able to do. Obviously, I don't think it's something that he's going to carry all the way through the season, you know, staying at 250. But I mean, if you're going from 225 up to 250 and maintaining 240, I think that's when. So long story short. You get a guy that could come in there and immediately impact the, the quarterback as far as getting pressure from the opposite side. So now that makes a guy that you, you look at as, as your top defensive player in Jarrell Casey. That makes him better because you got the outside coming. Quarterback has to step up. Guess who's sitting there waiting? It's just like, you know, Lions attacking antelopes. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's the gazelles. It's, we got someone to chase. And then you got someone that could go and, and make the kill. And then not to mention if they get a guy a little bit later, you know, whether it be Colin Saunders or, or you know, one of those type of guys to pair up with uh, uh, Jarrell Casey, they're in a good situation. So Brian Burns, I think, is an excellent pick. Ten sacks, 15 and a half tackles for loss for Brian Burns at Florida State. Yeah, the, the weight thing, because you, you and I did have a discussion about this on Twitter at TD, or excuse me, let me let me make sure I have the Twitter handle <laughs> correct, at Teron, no, damn. <laughs> Teron, what's your Twitter handle? At T, at T at Davenport, T Davenport underscore, underscore NFL. Yeah. 
My God, I don't know why that was so hard for me. And me out here doing actual, uh, you know, preparation for a show would be nice for once instead of just pulling it up on the fly. Uh, but yeah. Hey, man, we, we tweet back and forth all the time. So now you just hit, you put TD in and the rest of it comes up. So you don't have to know it all. At T Davenport underscore NFL is where you find my man TD. Uh, we were talking about Burns on Twitter because the, the weight thing was something that I brought up. Uh, just because for the same reason that I bring up Hollywood Brown uh, and his weight, mm. and, and obviously that's a much, much different situation. There's a big difference between 250 pounds and 166 pounds like Hollywood Brown is. Uh, but it's it's something for me that I just I, I worry about the durability. I know that injuries are not something that has plagued him but I know how difficult it is to adjust to the NFL game. It's so much more different than college, even as you are facing uh, NFL caliber talent in the ACC playing for Florida State. I just worry about him being able to sustain. Uh, but it, it, like, like you said, the film is everything that you need to know. It's, 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 it's tough to not get distracted, or at least it's tough for me because I have the attention span of a small rodent to not get distracted uh, by, the, by the measurables and not, and not just apply what I'm seeing on film. Uh, but Brian Burns, I think the Titans would be thrilled to have at number 19. Let's go interior offensive line uh, because we know that the Titans signed Roger Saffold away from the Los Angeles Rams for a big money contract. Ben Jones, final year of his deal. He's had, he hasn't played uh, quite the level of football that he has in years past. Quentin Spain was allowed to walk, and Josh Klein got cut. If you are looking at interior offensive line, the two names that have been uh, trumpeted, heralded almost, uh, in a way that offensive linemen often aren't, but this is the year for them, uh, are Eric McCoy and Garrett Bradbury. Which between the two of them do you think makes the most uh, sense if they are going to draft a center at 19? Uh, You know, for me, that's like a Lamborghini versus a Ferrari, you know what I mean? Because I think both of them are really good options. Um I, you know, I, I kind of shifted a, a later in the process just after watching a little bit more uh, of McCoy, specifically watching McCoy against Alabama and Quentin Williams, you know, because I went back to watch Alabama because I wanted to, to get a little more insight on Isaiah Bugs, right, a, a later guy. And I kept saying, wow, McCoy is he's handling Quentin Williams, man. Mm. Like he's really doing his thing again. Yeah, we were watching. I was watching a little bit of tape with you in the writer's room at the Titans facility. And it was, it was very evident that McCoy could hold his own. Exactly. Exactly. So it was right around then. And I I started saying, well, you know what? Let me go back and rewatch Bradbury against Clemson. And then rewatch McCoy against Clemson. And I'm like, Eric McCoy is the dude, you know, but I think either one of those guys, you bring them in, and they're literally plug and play. So I think that those are guys that that should be the top uh, at, at at the top of the interior offensive line side of things. Just because now you could move Ben Jones over to right guard, right? And the thing that I like about that situation is you know Ben Jones is in the final year of, of his uh, contract, right? So if you decide that you want to move on from Ben Jones after this season. You don't have to move on and just plug a new center in. You could plug the center in right there, and he's playing alongside Ben Jones, right, a guy who played center for this team for quite some time. So all the calls and stuff, he'll have somebody to bounce it off of right then and there when he needs to be able to do that, right? And then it's always easier to fill in a guard, and you could get a guard a little bit later, like a guy like Nate Davis that they really like. You could get him, and and you could have him be a reserve in his rookie year and then come in and be the starter 
in the second year. So to me, the transition is a lot smoother. When you have a rookie center and you put him in, in the mix, like it's it's very difficult. People talk about receiver being in a difficult position to adjust to the NFL. And well, I tell you what, when you're going from college to, to the NFL as a center, man, it's a lot different because now every single time you set foot on the field, you're going against someone that will eat, eat your lunch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas you're not always the lunch eater at, like you were in, in, in college. So it, it's a, a big, a big shift. And then on top of that, you have to be able to process stuff and still play fast, especially in the zone scheme where you're making decisions on the fly. So I think having one of those rookie guys come in and, and, and play alongside Ben Jones would be very beneficial. Like I said, you have the rookie step in and then you also have Palmfield there that, that could be a depth option also. And I think the mental aspect of the game for a center is so underrated because and and, mm-hmm. and and I don't want to just I don't want to just lump all fans in, but this is something that anybody who who pays attention to football falls into the trap of of, of you know realizing that it's not actually Madden and you can't just plug this dude in because you drafted yep. the center and the center should automatically be able to handle the protections and and a lot and make sure that everybody is in the right uh, position set the uh, set make the calls and do everything that is required pre-snap in a way that people hugely underrate uh, Ben Jones's ability to do this is this is not just because he has not held up physically uh, does not mean that Ben Jones is not a very mentally adept player at that position and it's why they've been so hesitant to move him around because I mean, it's so underrated that relationship between he and the quarterback and Ben Jones's ability to process and make the correct calls and make sure that they are in the right protections yeah 100% and that's that's so key and then the other thing to look at I mean let, let's say now that we've done everything to sell the two centers let's say they don't go that route right you could kind of do the reverse because there's a guy out of Georgia, Lamont Galliard, who I think is a really good fit. And he, out of the three guys, in my opinion, is the most like Jason Kelsey, who I'll say is the best zone blocking center in the history of the NFL. You know what I mean? In the history and of the sport. In the history of the sport. Just go watch Jason Kelsey, man, a, a little bit more closely. Oh, I, no. I'm, you see, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying you personally, I'm just saying anybody. You know, go watch and you really will appreciate. I mean, there are times where you see this guy pull to and, and he gets to that second level and you see him block the kick out the outside linebacker and then go up and, and dig out a safety and you'll see the running back. You know, a lot of these J.H.I. runs that, that he had were on the result of, of, of Kelsey getting two blocks. But J.H.I. is like a 75 rating in Madden. You know what I mean? As far as speed is concerned. <laughs> no, so you see the linebacker. Damn it, I'm trying side. to get these people away from Madden, and you go ahead and make a Madden rating comparison. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, man, you know, it's all part of the joke. You know, you got you to gotta speak the people's lingo. That's part of being being for the people, right? You got to speak their lingo, for man. The people. No you doubt know. about it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think Galliard is somebody that you kind of do the reverse with, right? And, and then. Well, what you do is you get a guy like a Chris Lindstrom early, Drew Samia, Ben Powers. You know, Drew Samia and Powers are guys that I, I had on, on talking with TD, and they told me that there was a lot of interest from the from the Titans. And if you look at their personalities, like these are nasty dudes. And that's something that, you know, you don't have to worry about plays after the huddle, you know, I mean, after the, the whistle, bad plays as far as extracurricular stuff. But from whistle to whistle, those dudes, are they're going hard. Watch the Texas game. You'll see both of those guys just pulling and kicking out and, and just 
dominating. And it's almost like, you, you know, double teaming guys and driving them to the ground, going back to the huddle and sharing pancake stories and laughing about it. You know what I mean? And so you could go guards earlier if you want to do that. I'm talking about at, at 51 and then come back and go center later. So there's you can flip-flop it either way, but it's mandatory that they address one of those two positions, and if not, uh, both of them, in my opinion, at some point in the draft. Oh, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I I don't know how they feel about Kevin Palmfield, Corey Levin, <laughs> uh, and Aaron Stinney, but I, I it, at the very least, for the sake of depth, uh, offensive line is something, interior offensive line is something that the Titans need to look at coming up in this week's NFL draft. Now, the pick for me at number 19, if he is available, I think without question is Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle, mm -hmm. out of uh, Clemson. Character-wise, he is exactly what John Robinson and Mike Vrabel look for in an athlete. He is somebody who is much more than just a football player, but he is also an incredibly disruptive presence on the interior uh, of the defensive line and somebody who I think can legitimately make an impact next to Jarrell Casey in a way that Daquan Jones and Austin Johnson uh, and, and Betty Logan, for that matter, before he was uh, – uh, he did not re-sign with the team uh, after one year with them uh, in a way that those other guys have not been able to. And that's something they desperately need uh, in this in this version of the NFL where interior pressure is so important because of the mobility of the quarterbacks that are coming in, and that's the fastest right route to them is right up the middle. Uh, tell me why. It, give me a reason, if you can, that I should not be in love with Christian Wilkins at 19. I don't really think there is a reason. And, I mean, if you're asking me, a guy, a D tackle that they should pick. I think Wilkins is the guy because when you look at him, this is someone who could play from zero to nine, right? Let's say for some reason they decided they wanted to play that wide nine at a certain time. He could go out and, and play that position and do it well. He could even stand up and rush the passer as a stand-up outside linebacker. You've seen Jarrell Casey do it. Yeah, exactly. So you're getting someone who's very much like him. Again, I mentioned Colin Saunders. He's someone you could get a little bit later that does a lot of similar things. But Christian Wilkins, um, for me, when I look at him, he's so disruptive. And if you have two blue-chip guys in the middle of that defense, one of the things, remember at the press conference, I asked Kevin Byard about the importance of being strong up the middle. Yes. That's mandatory. So if you got two guys just collapsing the pocket and pushing it back to the quarterback's face, now – there are throws that he would like to be able to really step into that he can't because you got the guard and center getting pushed back, smoothly escorted back into his lap, and he can't step into those throws because he has to worry about hitting his, his hand on the guard and center's helmet. So it may not always equal sacks, but it's going to equal other things like overthrows from not being able to follow through. Now Adoree Jackson could get an interception. Now Kevin Byer could get interceptions. It's going to lead to throws uh, being inaccurate, right, and, and just – not being on target. So now when Adoy Jackson gets beat, or if he should get beat on, on, a, on a play, that receiver that's open, he can't get connected to because the throw was errant. So there's bigger things that, that a guy like Christian Wilkins brings to the table that you have to consider. And then even against the run, man, like you think back to that Redskins game when Adrian Peterson was just like <laughs> – you know, he's beeping the horn. You know, I've he's on the ludicrous seen anything stuff. like that in my life, Teron. This man is old enough to be my father, and he's out here just trucking dudes as if it is. Man, it was yeah. his first year in the league again. I mean, yeah, he was Peterson running hard. A, modern, a, a marvel of modern science, honest to God. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So 
when when you have guys like Wilkins, you know that helps fight that. So I definitely think he's someone that should be of you know very very high consideration for them. If not Wilkins, then whom? Uh, at D tackle mm. or just overall at D tackle, just because. Well, I mean at at D tackle, just for the sake of conversation, because. I mean, from what from what I hear and from what I understand, I'm sure you're seeing the same stuff. Uh, it sounds like people are a lot higher on Christian Wilkins than uh, m- might otherwise be for your typical defensive tackle, um, especially in this year's draft. So I'm I'm of the impression that he may not be there. So if yeah. he is not there, who do you think they should look at uh, next down the line? I, I'll tell you who, and I'll say the name, and, and a lot of people are going to be like, uh huh. Jerry Tillery, man. Yeah. And let, let me tell you something. Watch that Stanford, Stanford, Michigan, and most of his stats were in those two games, but there are other games where he had impact, right? But if you watch those two games, you're just like, wow, man, this this dude right here is a force. And for people who have watched the NFL for a little bit longer, you know, one of the, the comps that I keep getting when I talk to people about uh, uh, analyst about Jerry Tillery is Richard Seymour, who was one of the best players in Dean Pease's defense when he was in New England. With the Pats, for sure. Richard Steve Seymour, right? So you're getting that comparison. Now, for people who are a little more, you know, just starting to really get deep into it, think of a guy like like Buck Buckner uh, on the, uh, the 49ers. DeForest. You know, a tall guy, DeForest Buckner, tall guy that just pushes the pocket, uses his, his length and, and, and power, and just completely obliterates guards. That's what Jerry Tillery does. And that Stanford team has some really good guards on, on that team. You know, some guys that I, that will get drafted. So when I look at Tillery, not only is he someone that, that could get that that pressure, um, but he's someone that at 6'6", with 84-and-a-half-inch wingspan, he could definitely make it a lot harder to, to uh, you know, for quarterbacks to, to find those passing lanes also. So that's going to help those quick plays. I mean, we know... You know, the Titans play a lot of off, so those slants work against them. So uh, that could help in, in that aspect, too. I think Tillery is a guy that is definitely someone that, that they like. He was here in, in Nashville, you know, visiting last week. He's someone that, that they've met with throughout the process. Um, I know you, you got a little extracurricular stuff with him. A little bit. As far as, like, you know, <laughs> stomping a guy after a play, and that may not jive with them completely. But he supposedly has matured. Um, over this past year, and uh, I think that's something that that definitely is a result of, of him doing things outside of football, whether it be traveling. It's funny I had him on the show, and we we're talking Japanese back and forth. You, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so he, he's a uh, you know kind of like the Daseki's man. You know he, he's into everything, <laughs> but at the same time, he's a really good football player. So I think that's what matters the most. And he's someone that, that will be there at 19, especially even if they decide they want to trade back a little bit. I think he'll be there so they can acquire another pick and, you know, still get a guy that could be a, a force. And he could play from zero to five technique for you. And that's useful to have in, in that, that Titan scheme. Multiplicity drink if you've heard that word at the Titans facility. Yeah, right. <laughs> he is Teron <laughs> Davenport at T Davenport underscore NFL. I got it right that time. You can check out the podcast Talking with TD for all his draft conversations, all his insights and analysis. It is available at thegamenashville.com. 
Be sure to keep up with everything that TD is doing throughout the draft process uh, and moving forward into this 2019 season. Boss man, I appreciate you making your inaugural appearance on the 615 Sessions and happy to talk a little shop as always. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. Let's, let's gear up for it. Back here on the 615 Sessions, Buck Rising here with you. Appreciate our guests, Ryan Hurd, Teron Davenport, and Joe Rexroad for stopping by. Just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the press conferences, the pre-draft press conferences that were held over at St. Thomas Sports Park. And I mean, there really wasn't a ton to be gleaned uh, out of these things. It's not exactly like they told us who they would be picking at 19. It was the typical generalities and cliches that you one would come to expect uh, and prepared statement, of course, by Amy uh, before the press conference officially got started and they started fielding questions uh, from us. But one thing in particular stood out, and I believe it was Zach, uh, Zach Bingham, of course, who you can see on A to Z Sports in the morning, 8 a.m., weekdays with Austin Stanley is where we have our live streaming Periscope and Facebook show. Uh, Austin, or rather Zach, asked him, I bet they get that all the time, Zach asked John Robinson if there was a particular emphasis heading into this year's draft about building the team to cater to and better better maximize Marcus Mariota, which has been the theme uh, since Mike Malarkey and his staff was fired. Now, John Robinson did what John Robinson uh, should have done which was couch it and make sure that he made it about the team. But this was John Robinson uh, today at St. Thomas Sports Park. I mean, I think every draft is you're trying to help the team. You know, there's there's 11 on offense, 11 on defense, and we put 11 on, at a time out there in a the kicking game. And we're trying to add um, trying to add players to help the team. Marcus is an important part of this team. Um, so, you know, that, I think that's our charge is to do our due diligence and, and, and get to know these prospects and evaluate them and, and, and again, I keep coming back to building that profile of the player and, and seeing if they're going to come in here and help the Tennessee Titans. Now, in any other situation, there would be nothing that we could glean uh, from that particular soundbite. But I do find it interesting the more that we look at Marcus Mariota's contract situation uh, and the more that you consider where they are. Uh, they're in a really precarious position. This is not this is not a team. This is not a draft. This is not a year really outside of the Kyler Murray stuff, because that's that's a novelty in itself. Uh but this is a draft that nationally uh, and and really on the whole isn't a lot of, it does not contain a lot of sex appeal, right? It's offensive and defensive line. Those are the positions of strength. Uh, that's not real. I mean, it's it's fundamentally sound ways to building a football team, uh, but it's not exactly the flash in the pan that people would want out of the NFL draft. Uh, you look though at Marcus Mariota at the Titans, how things could break before they get ready to make their first round pick if they do in fact stay at 19 and I would I would very much imagine uh, that John Robinson would not be willing to trade up given the amount of draft capital they've already expended last uh, last offseason uh, rather and to trade away la- next year's fourth round pick for Ryan Tannehill and already to have given the sixth round pick up in this year's draft for Kamale Correa the pass rusher they acquired from Baltimore uh, it's it's a situation where you really don't know what they're going to do because you have no idea whether, as we've talked about with Joe Rexroad uh, and Ryan Hurd and, and Teron Davenport, you have no idea if, if any of these pass rushers, who the team desperately needs, are going to be available at 19. You may end up with a center. You may end up with a guard. Uh, and that would be hugely beneficial in the long run because it would help to keep Marcus Mariota upright. Um, but they have to prepare for the future as well. 
And I don't know necessarily, and it's not like it's not like John Robinson's going to come out and give some ringing endorsement for a quarterback that I they have not yet extended in a contract year, uh, whose whose health situation is uncertain. But the more that you look at the Marcus Mariota situation, the more that you realize that they have to they simply have to hedge their bets, uh, and that this this my assumption, which is probably not a fair one, uh, but my assumption that they they have been in win now mode with Marcus Mariota as the quarterback on the five-year plan that you typically get with a rookie first-round quarterback whose contract is manageable in terms of salary cap uh, that makes these things more maneuverable to where you can put different kinds of parts around him. They have to, they have to prepare for the inevitable, or not the inevitability, uh, the possibility that Marcus Mariota may not be their quarterback in 2020. Uh, and so you don't know. It's difficult to say, right? Because you don't know whether, okay, should we go ahead and build this thing around him? Should we make this thing work as much as we possibly can uh, with him, even if he may be limited, even if he may uh, be in a diminished state from the player that was drafted in 2015 with the second overall pick? I don't know how it breaks. We don't know how the quarterbacks are going to go. We don't know how the edge rushers are go, uh, will go. We don't know where DK Metcalf will fall into these things. Hollywood Brown is another name of note who is, seems to be gaining more traction as the days wane on as we get nearer and nearer to the first round on Thursday on lower broad. But I sit here looking at, at the statements that were made today at the totality, uh, if you will, of the Tennessee Titans situation. Uh, and I feel like there are more questions than answers. And perhaps that's the state of every team at this time of year uh, until you physically have the players who you're going to move forward into that particular season with. But there's so much uncertainty that swirls around the Tennessee Titans, and I don't know if it's resolved simply by this draft because you have no idea whether Marcus Mariota is going to be able to hold up for 16 games. You don't know if Marcus Mariota is going to be able to hold up for 13 games uh, as he didn't make uh, a full, again, for the fourth straight year, did not make a full 16-game uh, start as the franchise or as the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. He hasn't done it yet in his career. This is something that we all know well by now. Uh, we'll see how it goes as we get closer and closer. But that is going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the 615 Sessions. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday morning. We're going to have a quick turnaround on these podcasts so that you have more time to listen to them before the actual picks are made on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And, by the way, uh, if you would like more exposure to me than you are already getting, you're probably tired of me by now. But this is, you shouldn't be. This is only the second episode, and we're just getting to know each other. Don't go away so soon. Uh, but if you would like more exposure to Tennessee Titans draft coverage, to NFL draft coverage in general, I am very, very pleased to announce that I will be a part of the Day 3 ESPN Periscope Draft Show with our dear friend Jason Fitz of ESPN. He has been kind enough to invite me uh, alongside his co-hosts, Mina Kimes, Field Yates, Dominique Foxworth, and Mike Golick Jr. I will be stopping by for a, for a little bit, at least, on their Periscope Live Show from Nissan Stadium on Day 3 of the draft. That's Saturday, uh, so make sure that you are checking that out on all of your streaming services as well. In the meantime, this is Buck Rising and reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. We'll talk to you Wednesday right here on the 615 Sessions presented by A to Z Sports.